What is happening, you beautiful bastards? Welcome back to another week. This week's guest is Carlos Valencia. Carlos is a comedian who's been, I think he's open for Burt Kreischer and a couple other big guys. Um, but we get to see the other side of, you know, starting up on uh, in comedy and maybe the not so advertised side of entertainment. Yeah, I mean, talking to Carlos, I expected... Uh expected more jokes, I guess. And we definitely got jokes Mm. on this episode, but uh, as you'll find out in just a minute here, there's actually a pretty serious side. Cause you, you know, you think about comedians, you think you hear jokes, you watch funny movies and that's it, but there's a big business side to that. You're not just going out there telling jokes and that's the end of your, your hard work. Uh, You have to do the whole business side. You gotta, you're really running a business and you're the product. Yeah, it's interesting to see that he has to worry about, like, if he goes somewhere and he pisses off the wrong people, he'll never get a gig there again. <laughs> yeah, and it makes sense. But So we go into detail on, like, how do you judge your crowd and do you tell the same set everywhere? Or, as Grizz just alluded to, he has to be kind of careful and pick who, what jokes he's telling. And sometimes he gets it wrong, just like every comedian. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> but take a listen. Let us know what you think at the end. And while we're on that topic of interacting, I wanted to remind you guys that if you get some value out of this, if you find it entertaining, go click that subscribe button on YouTube and uh, go check out our Patreon. Chris, where is our YouTube and our Patreon? Uh, YouTube, if you go to our link tree, you can find all of it. But YouTube, type in Beautiful Bastards Podcast will come up. We'll be the first ones there. Patreon uh, should be the same thing. You can get the links off of Facebook as well as YouTube. Patreon, though, go check it out, guys. That's got a good one on uh, what it's like to be an American in a Chinese prison. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a fantastic story. So we want you guys to go listen to that and uh, become some patrons. And with that, let's go talk to Carlos. And I'm going to start off the conversation with it. What Jerry kind of looks like the villain from Die Hard 3. <laughs> oh, it's been a long time since I've seen that. Wasn't that Tim- Timothy Oliphant? No, I no. Know. I don't even know this guy's name, but he's been in a lot of different stuff. Wait, which one? Three. Three. Uh, I can't remember. It's been too I don't, long. It's not, it's not Hans Gruber. What was it's it? It's the other Gruber. Yeah, whatever. The McGruber? <laughs> not even Bob Gruber. <laughs> no, is it McGruber? Yeah, whoever the, the the second Gruber is, the the not Hans Gruber. I don't know. If I look I don't right now, my internet might die. It's been. I remember the first. The first one was in the building. The second one was in an airport. And then the, and the third, third I just one was in. It was in New York. No, yeah. Oh, yeah, New York City. Like uh, yeah. they were robbing a bank or some shit. Yeah. And he had the like horrible dye job for his hair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So which one was Timothy Oliphant? Four? I don't know how many fucking. I don't. I don't, I don't, know, man. I don't even know. I that all these movies have so many sequels. I can't keep track anymore. I don't. I barely even remember three. Well, if the guy wasn't so hard to die, then we wouldn't need all these sequels. You know what I mean? <laughs> I would say, what are they up to? Seven? I don't know. I can't keep track of this shit. 
I I like the first two, uh, and I I guess the other ones were all right. I'm not gonna. So, <laughs> someone brought it up the other day that apparently uh, Bruce Willis is just putting out shit lately. <laughs> uh, I mean, I haven't kept up with his career, but uh, <laughs> the fact that I can't even mention you a single. That's my point. Like yeah. after what was it? The whole nine yards just went to shit. I, I, I actually just read an article about him, and his view now is basically: I don't give a fuck. Give me money, and he'll take whatever. Yeah, he's kind of following, I guess, that Nicolas Cage uh, program. Yeah, but the difference is Nicolas Cage is a national treasure, and he isn't. Well, that is true. (laughs) He's just an asshole. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, man. He may be a national treasure, but I'm pretty sure he lost his mind somewhere along the way. Nick Cage never (laughs) had one. He's always been crazy. But he lost it more so than not having one. (laughs) He's just gone. Just completely. Just nothing nothing left? (laughs) (laughs) The opposite, reverse. (laughs) Uh, yeah, but that's what I love about him. He's crazy all the time, and he always just plays himself. It doesn't get better than that. I, I think that the calmest he's ever been was National Treasure. Yeah, I guess so. Probably. I just haven't seen. I haven't seen a Nicolas Cage movie, and I have. I never even saw Face Off. Really? Your face yeah. Off was a rough one, man. <laughs> what? You even? I love that movie. What's rough about it? That was like at the height of the '90s when they were just doing whatever the fuck they wanted in movies. Like, it was yeah, it was around those Air Force One and uh, what other movies came out around that time. There were several like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, there was a bunch. That was, that was like the the Rock, that Con Air, that sort yeah. of shit. Yeah, it was when the Rock was in like Scorpion King. <laughs> <laughs> also, an awful movie. No, oh, actually, Brandon Fraser's making a comeback. Is he? Yeah, I didn't say Brendan Fraser was crap. He's amazing. <laughs> what is he supposed to be in? Uh, he's playing Fraser? a villain in some TV show. I don't. I don't know. I got. Right, well, okay. Well, yeah, that he, sounds like he's doing good. He's making a comeback. <laughs> All right. Good for him, man. Yeah, sure. So, so how many years you've been in the uh, the comedy business? 15, 16. There's sixteen yeah. this year. Yeah. Where'd I mean, start off? I don't know. I mean, that's actually that's uh, that's 16 years is when I started. I really wasn't in the business at that point. I was just I probably had no business doing stand up when I started. I didn't I didn't really get on the road like I didn't become a full time comic till probably 2008, nine. So maybe then I would say that years. was a good time to be a comic in comedy, though. It was all right. Not not necessarily for being a road comic, because that's when fucking gas prices were shooting up to like three dollars, three fifty, four dollars and shit. It wasn't fun as far as just fucking paying for gas. What town did you start in? Uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. I started because that's just where I was living. And then I moved to a comedy town. I don't even know. Nah, not really. It's got like there's this one comedy club and like for like it closed like a year after I started doing stand up. So there (laughs) really wasn't. Much. So you were that you were that bad when you started out that you closed it. Yeah, I closed it down. So I, you know, <laughs> I achieved my goal from the get go. Everything's just been gravy for the last fourteen years. But they didn't have a club, and so I moved to Atlanta, and then I lived in New York City for a little bit, and then uh, I kind of just went on the road, and then COVID happened, so I ended up back in Charlotte. Oh no, kidding, huh? What are you yeah. working on now? Uh, mostly I've been doing a podcast. That's basically what kept me busy the whole COVID years because I couldn't tour and shit. So I've been doing a podcast and then and then now that stuff's starting to reopen, I, I'm do, doing a, a few more road shows, but I'm still not like full time like I was before that. I was going to say, I hope that now that things are opening up, 
comedy blows up again. But I have a feeling like we Jerry and I were just talking about with the whole Dave Chappelle thing. Mm. It's to me that what he said, I don't I'm I'm not going to go into it, but comedy's got to be the one thing where there's almost no no real censorship so they can do what they need to do, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's where I stand on it. I just posted, uh, like, last Thursday, because I've been kind of avoiding the whole thing. Not because It's just because I've heard it. It's like yeah. every time he puts a special out, there's uh, people angry, and then it blows over, and then he does another special two years later. You know what I mean? Well, that, like so I, that was the thing we were talking about, is, like, if you look at all these things where people blow up in controversy, right? So you have the immediate backlash. Mm -hmm. Everyone's all in it. Well, not everyone. Squeaky wheels in an outcry. And then Netflix doesn't take it down. They just leave it up. And a month later, it's still up and it's still doing good. So part of me wonders if they're just doing this for free PR. It, uh, I mean, yeah, it makes you wonder, but honestly, it's it's what you just described. It'll be a controversy for a few months, and then at the end of the day, nobody dies, and Chappelle's still a millionaire. So it's yeah. like I don't. That's why I have. That's why I, basically I just didn't have an opinion on it. I and but then say so last week I posted on my Facebook. I was like, can somebody just like drop me a, a direct quote of whatever was the most appalling thing that he said in that special? Just a quote, not like your interpretation of like, this is how he hurt my feelings. Yeah. Like, give me a like quote. the actual words. Yeah, exactly. I think the most I think the thing they were they were upset about the most in that was he said he was uh, team turf. Which right. Is the and same thing uh, Rowling said. That's the thing that uh, that's the only one because other people were like somebody actually some and they got angry with me and it's a person that I know <laughs> in person like it's a, it wasn't just random and they were mad at me because I, I posted that up and then they were like well at one point that he did the quote where it's and I'm not sure it's exactly these words but it's something like when he's talking have you guys seen it have you guys seen the special no. I haven't yet nope okay I read what a, he said but there's a line there where he he's talking to the daughter of his trans friend who had died yeah and and he says something like you uh your father was the greatest woman i've ever met right yeah. which i okay. which i think is a very clever turn of phrase and also kind of and touching mm-hmm. uh, and, but somebody submitted this as one of the most appalling things that Chappelle said during that special because they interpreted it as they, they were misgendering them and they took it like like that was uh like like he was purposely trying to hurt somebody i was like no first of all it's a clever turn of phrase whichever yeah. way you put it uh doing that 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 contrast between your father was the greatest woman that's that alone is artistically uh mm-hmm. valid mm-hmm. and and second of all i if anything he said that with love like he was he was telling the daughter this is how much i thought about your your mom, father, woman, man, that it didn't yeah. even, it, it crossed the boundary of whatever gender that person was. They just appreciated them for who they were. I th- yeah, and that, that, the other that thing is he's taken like her in, right? Yeah. Say that again. He took in the daughter of the, uh, of his f- friend who was trans. Like, Did he? Did he? I see. I didn't yeah. even know. Like, I don't know the whole story. And that's the other part is like, I'm not, I'm not like a Chappelle expert or like diehard or anything. I liked them in the nineties a lot. Like I've been oh, yeah. following his career for a long time. So, so I'm, I wasn't even taking it from the from the perspective that, um, like, do you think he's uh, a funny or not, or or whether the special, or whether he's had better specials or whatever? Because mm-hmm. people are genuinely like mad or acting like they're very offended about this uh, uh, this special, 
And it's not just because he's not as funny as he used to be. I mean, <clears throat> fuck, man. Like every every other special you see from somebody that's been around for 15 years, it's not going to be as good as something that they did before. No. You know, you know what I think is going on with with this one? I Like I said, I haven't seen it yet, but I've watched the, his last few specials and his new thing in most recent years is he'll he'll be telling his jokes and they're they're pretty okay but you know he's he's been around for a long time so he's not as funny as he used to be right he goes into these serious rants in between and yeah, that puts a lot of things in this weird place where people are like i don't know if that's a joke or not and uh, then on, on top of that you know at social media gets mad at everything and as you can see this this is all still up people are still watching it the bulk yeah. of society doesn't really care about what he said that much and that's exactly right. It's like going back to that turf thing. Yeah. I, I, I got to tell you, 99% of the population of America does has never either heard that word or if, even if they have, they have no idea. No, they're going to think you're for. talking about like AstroTurf or some shit yeah. like that, you know? Yeah, the but, first time I heard it was when he said it. See, and I'd, I'd seen that term on Twitter every now and again. Yeah. So, so again, so he did say that. That's a direct quote, pretty much. I'm team turf. <laughs> But I don't, th- and again, I think you, then after you hear that, then you have to see the whole bit because mm-hmm. that's, you know, there's got to be, there's going to be more context to it. It's not like some comic is going to go up there and be like, I'm team Nazi. You guys figure <laughs> it out. You know what I mean? It's like, no, there's going to be a bit that follows whatever, when you say something that controversial. And then a couple of people did post clips and the things that he said after he said that were pretty funny like i thought they were funny jokes it was something i don't know exactly how it went but it was something like you know trans women that get a vagina uh, you can't have kids with that vagina so it's not like a real vagina it's like an impossible vagina or the incredible vagina you know doing the comparison with the oh, like burger. impossible burger yeah impossible burger that so i think he was just setting himself up for that for those jokes but uh but you know but then a lot of people are like oh no he's he might as well have just said you know i'm a fascist or something like that without yeah, any context zero to a hundred right yes exactly and again and that, it's a it's a it's a not a common even if you know that do you guys know what it stands for what turf yeah no that's the thing i don't even i've i've yeah, looked it up yet. it's an acronym and it Stands for trans exclusionary radical feminist and people are like well how could you not know what that means i'm like i i still don't know what that means trans exclusionary (laughs) what you know the people act like you're supposed to be an expert on these very esoteric terms that they come up with i just to me i hope like i don't i don't want us to go down that route with comedy because yeah, it's a, it can be a pretty dark place, and it needs to be at times. And it's if we're gonna censor the hell out of comedy, it's, it's all. Yeah, done. you can't. I'm a, I'm of the. I always side with the comic as far as when it comes to material uh, or like what they should or shouldn't be able to talk about. Because mm-hmm. yeah, it's a it's a slippery slope when you start saying, okay, you can't talk about this. Well, then the next thing is going to be you can't talk about it. And then yeah. and then it just grows from there. And yeah, I think the comedian should have the liberty to to say whatever I like. I, I put this in one of my old albums, but I still believe it. It's like a like the problem in comedy is not uh, comics that tell too many rape jokes. It's rapists that tell too many clean jokes like mm-hmm. Bill Cosby. Like nobody would have ever figured uh, Cosby to be controversial ever in his career because he told clean jokes. But meanwhile, he was raping women. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, I'd rather have uh, comedians have the liberty to talk and say anything that they want, uh, you know, rather than just be nice and clean and then actually be doing evil shit in the background in your real life. 
Yeah, it's, it, comedy is supposed to satirize real life. That's what it's for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. Even when when a comedian, like again with that turf thing, even when a comedian says something like outrageous like that, uh, it's oftentimes just to mock. Oh, here's the other one. Here's the other one that uh, the other quote that people put out there that it is it is pretty uh, edgy and offensive. But I still think it's but it's still a joke. He said something about he got into a fight with a gay guy. The, the gay guy oh the gay guy was like trying to f- start a fight with him so he so it was Chappelle's like so I punched him I punched him right in the AIDS so I'm like that is like that is shocking or like and sometimes that's the value of the joke or I mean the intention of the joke is like let me just say the most ignorant thing I can say right now mm-hmm. yeah but that's I just chuckled in my head right there <laughs> yeah but that's the joke so it's like but then you know if, if you're if you already come to to a special or to see a comic with an agenda and a bias in your mind, then any, then you're going to jump at anything that you can. Exactly. They, it's almost like they want to be offended with it, right? It's yeah, basically it's the, yeah, they would be disappointed if they weren't offended. To me, there's so many, when I look at so many things that, that offend people, it's because it's, it's something they know to be true that they don't like being true. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it, sometimes it be, it's up, it's in your face. And sometimes I, I forget who I heard talk about this, saying something like, because uh, a lot of like laughter is very involuntary. If it's mm-hmm. good life, it's genuine laughter. You didn't even intend to laugh, but you couldn't help it. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that might be what scares these people that are always offended is that they they might end up laughing at something that they they think themselves are not supposed to laugh. They're, they're gonna there's gonna be an involuntary reaction where you're where this comic might make me realize that I'm not the, you know, the angel that I think I am. Yeah. And to me, you should be able to laugh at everything, whether or not you believe something is right, wrong or otherwise. Like, listen, Mm -hmm. we're not, we're not transphobe. We're not homophobe. We're not racist. Right. You can still laugh at that stuff. And they they, they see that as you're giving it fuel to the fire, you're empowering someone. Right. No, because once if they, if Chappelle all of a sudden got off stage, and not he's not on stage he's not doing a bit or anything and he just started ripping the shit out of uh transgender people that's a little different oh right? uh, yeah like, absolutely we'd all sit there and we're like oh okay you you've gone crazy like you've gone yeah, right. too far like you're, you're, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're doing what you shouldn't be doing but on stage like everything should be open yeah everything is we, open we make hitler so- jokes like come on that yeah. shit's hilarious <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm with you 100%. I think you should be allowed to talk. And and, and at worst, uh, if the joke if, if the joke doesn't get a laugh, then all it was, it was a bad joke. Somebody, exactly. God forbid, somebody tried to make somebody laugh. That was their, and as long as the intention is just to make people laugh, entertain, then yeah, then just do it. You know, at, at worst, you just told a bad joke. Yeah, when you're talking about jokes that are super controversial like this one, it's they're they're just pointing out the absurdity of a situation. Whether it's you know, in this case, he's, in my opinion, based on what I've been hearing, is he's being sarcastic about turf, and then you talk about something like uh, uh, blackface in uh, what's the what's the movie, Chris? Tropic Thunder. Oh, Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can and, never make Tropic Thunder nowadays. And that movie. The whole amazing. point the whole point of him wearing blackface was to point out the absurdity of people wearing blackface. Absolutely. Yeah, that, yeah. that was that was the point of the comedy. It's and it was amazing. bringing to light how absurd that situation is. 
Yeah, sometimes, yeah, that's and that's the only way to to bring that forth is by sometimes just hitting the people in the face with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, and the joke is not that I actually believe this. It's just that look at how ridiculous this is. Yeah, and it could, because like you know, in the twenties, twenties through like the sixties, people were in blackface in movies all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they they literally would be the black actor. Yeah, they didn't <laughs> want to like, hire a, a black actor. Yeah. Right. So he was basically making fun of that situation and mm-hmm. that that caught a lot of heat too but not nearly as much as it would now no yeah. and i think I, i'd like to believe that that movie was released exactly when it needed to be released <laughs> like yeah today oof, that'd be that'd be a little rough <laughs> i mean that's, but the thing is like I, even when uh, i mean it definitely is worse now and, and i even hesitate to say that because i don't want to sound like the, the old cunt that's like ah back in my day you know blah. but even when i started it wasn't as bad as it is now but there was some hint of that like it was coming and also already i mean i by the time i started a lot of the edgier comics had really not been around for a minute. Like Sam Kennison had died for a while and mm. same Bill Hicks. And then, you know, there was like a, there was a period where there was a time where people liked edgier shit like that. But then when I started, it was more towards the, the cleaner side. And I didn't know, I think, I, you know, I thought it was going to get worse, but not like this really. I think the people who like it are out there. It's just oh, yeah. a, they're worried about someone being like, Hey, why are you into that? Oh, and and I think you're absolutely right. The the audience definitely is out there. It's just harder to reach them if you do more controversial material, if you're not famous, because you're going to have a harder time with any kind of network or anybody trying to put you on TV. So it's a big storm the weather. Yeah, that's the other thing I feel like right now with comedy is, you know, 30 years ago, you could have your your one scene, your one skit, whatever you want to call it. Uh, your one uh, showcase bit and you could run that all over the country. Now mm-hmm. you're going to do that. They're going to make uh, an actual um, Netflix special about it. And then everyone's going to see that. Now you got to come up with new shit again. Like I'm pretty sure Dane cook had the same shit for how long? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Before he, made, yeah. Before he got famous. Yeah. I, but I will say though, I mean, it, it, you're you're right. Then you have to gonna have to come up with a whole other hour. But that's a good problem to have, though. You know oh, what I mean? It's absolutely a good problem. Yeah, I, I love mean, it. The problem, though, it is though that because it's at least with Netflix for a minute there, it seemed like everybody was getting a special. Not me, yeah. but everybody. Yep. So they were. Uh, so what the fuck, man? <laughs> what you risk? What you risk with that though is that okay, you're getting comics that maybe aren't really ready to be uh doing an hour all right or if they do have an hour then that's their hour like you said and now they're famous so they got to go on the road i'm like well i got nothing else so so now if you go see them on the road you're gonna see them do the same hour or you're gonna see like very lame untested new material sort of thing there was some dude i think in the 80s or 90s he did the whole robot thing we've all seen the clips i don't know it, it was all computer related and robot. It's hilarious, but it's literally five minutes and that's all he has. Oh, really? <laughs> he never came up with new material. And well, back then they didn't the have to because they could tour the whole country and people had no idea who they were walking in because yeah. it takes so long for information to move back then. So yeah, that's yeah. A, and that's another thing. And you still see that to this day, uh, road comics that have uh, just been on the road forever. like, And they've been doing the same hour 
Mm-hmm. Since yeah, God they just do it. the road. Yeah, and because they're not famous, then yeah, they'll do. Even if they do the same city in the same year, it's going to be a different audience because it's not. They're not really coming to see them specifically. They're coming to see just whoever the comic is there that weekend or that you know middle of the week night like that. And so that yeah, there's some people there that it's like I heard Patton Oswald said a long time that like some comics say they've been doing comedy for twenty years. But really, they did comedy for 10 years, and then they've been doing the same set for the last 10. Yeah. Because they just, yeah, some comics just get like, here's my hour. All right, I'm done. This is all I need to ever do. (laughs) I just get way too bored with my material. I just, I can't even imagine. Oh, dude, I I know I couldn't do it. I would have do, uh, what's it called? Audience work? What is it? Crowd work, crowd work, crowd work, just shit yeah. on the audience. That's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> that was my biggest fear when I started comedy. I was like, I got I, like, I just wrote jokes. Like I'm like, like Mitch Hedberg was my dude. Like I was my idol yeah. when I started out and I was emulating him a lot. I was actually like almost uh, ripping off his cadence and his voice. I was telling my jokes, but I was mm-hmm. telling them in his, you know, he's got a very, yeah, he had a very voice. iconic one. Exactly. So I was, uh, so uh, when I started, I just had my jokes and then people, uh, inevitably people are going to mouth off. I mean, it's just oh, yeah. a reality that they're going to, even if they're not being mean, it still interrupts whatever your train of thought was or whatever your joke mm-hmm. bit that you were doing. So, so I, so I, I had to learn to like talk to these people and I hated it. I was just like, I didn't get into stand up to talk to people, man. I just want to tell my jokes and then you listen and hopefully you laugh. <laughs> That's a big part of it though. But it, it's, it's huge. But I had this, I, I had this, uh, maybe just because I sucked at it. I had that, uh, this idealistic thing where I'm like, no, I talk and you listen <laughs> and that's it. I don't they, not hear. They shut that down quick. I'm not here to talk to you, but, uh, but no, you just, it's a reality of life. Yeah. In a perfect world, uh, nobody would yell at you or, or interrupt you, but no, the reality is you're going to have to deal with people, but it took me probably fucking nine, 10 years before I was fully comfortable dealing with, uh, with people and drunks and hecklers and shit oh i bet well how how about uh when you first started out and you sucked uh, how long did you feel like you sucked before you went on stage one day and walked off and were like yeah yeah i did that right uh i'll let you know when it happens uh, come on uh i you know honestly for the first like six months i it was it was going so bad that i'm like ah maybe this is not something i'd be doing i should be doing but then uh, some of the local comics that were also kind of starting out around the same time, they started, they were being, they were nice. They were like, they would want me to go up. Cause sometimes I would go to the open mic and chicken out and just not even sign up. Like I would just sit there and freeze and watch the show. I imagine yeah. that's a lot of people though. Yeah. Yeah, probably. It's after but the battle, then, you showed up. I, yeah. I mean, that was kind of like baby steps sort of thing, but I had been, so I would go up, but then sometimes I'd come back, but then eventually I went enough times that without signing up that the other comics were like, come on, man, you should sign up, dude. You know, you, you had good, you had good jokes. So that was, that was an encouragement enough for me to like, yeah. okay, let me keep doing this. And then, you know, and then slowly I started finding my own voice or, or starting to write more jokes that, you know, that were in my style. Whereas before, when I first, first started out, I was basically doing a, an impression of a stand up comic. It's like, oh, this is what stand up comics are supposed to be. So that's what I'm going to do as opposed to just like doing what I think is funny. Yeah. Like you said, kind of following that Mitch Hedberg kind of thing. I can yeah. imagine like how many times did it take before you finally felt comfortable on stage? 
I don't know, man. I honestly, and it sounds like I'm going to be exaggerating, but up to uh, when I was like nine, ten, ten years around that time is when I really was like, okay, I'm 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 comfortable up here. I don't really care. But before that, I mean, I didn't. I didn't lose the mic stand till I was probably six, seven years in, because I would, I would, I would like hold it up in front of me like I'm fucking like Eddie Vedder or some shit. Yeah, <laughs> I would just like lean forward and backwards on it and stuff like that. Yeah, because it's almost like a security blanket to have this little stick between you and the and the audience. But then I did enough, you know, rowdy bar shows that couldn't even bother with a fucking mic stand, so I had to <laughs> learn to just hold the thing, mm-hmm. and and then I got comfortable after that. But uh, I mean, without a mic stand. But yeah, it's I I would say it's not within the last six years that I that I really just got comfortable on stage. And I also drink, so that that helps. Yeah, that helps too. I mean, like I'd be I'd be walking all over the place, walking back and forth. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I'm I'm finally over that part. Like I get a little anxious about like, all right, let's let's do this, but I don't really get nervous anymore. Yeah, and was it was the nervousness like ten years too or no? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, but again, that's just that's just me though because I'm not a. Even before I did stand up, I never thought I was gonna be on stage ever, man. I was like, I was like, uh, you know, you ever have to do those presentations in school in front of class? Yeah, yeah. Like if I knew in advance when it was happening, I had the flu that day because I'm not fucking <laughs> showing up. I was scared to death. Anything public speaking, so I was like, so I never really thought that I would ever do it. Eventually I did it, but it still wasn't like I was, you know, super confident on stage, but there are other comics that, you know, they fucking, some people just have those personalities. Yeah. They, they just do. hit the ground running. Yep. Mm-hmm. Grizz, have you like, ever done anything on stage like that? Like stand up comedy? No, no. Stand up comedy is a different animal. That That's brutal. I'm talking about just like a, an actual public speaking where you're on a microphone in front of a group. No, I don't think I'd really? have a problem with it though. So I mean, that the very first time that ever happened to me, it was it was thrust upon me. This uh, mm-hmm. the glory that it was. I was actually in middle school, and there was some talent show going on. And of course, I was a middle, normal middle schooler. I didn't have any talent, so I was hmm. making fun of, fun of everybody there. And the teacher heard Nothing's me. Nothing's changed. I know. I still make fun of everybody, <laughs> but the teacher heard me, and she was like, "Hey, you need to come with me right now." And I'm like, "Ah, oh, fuck, man, she caught me. I'm in trouble." <laughs> Thinking I'm going to the office. She brings me to an empty auditorium up on the stage and hands me the mic and a piece of paper and said, you're hosting the show. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. man, man. That was that was rough. I got yeah. through it. I got through it. And actually, it was a trial by fire. It worked out pretty well. It made see, a huge difference in my comfort level in front of people. See, when you started that story and you told me like the teacher told you to go back to the auditorium, I thought this might have some sort of molestation ending, <laughs> but it, it was even worse. It was. Yeah, but here's worse. the thing: if if it was yeah. a station thing, we'd be all right with it because it's a woman on on Jerry. We don't <laughs> that's really that's right. That. Yeah, we'd be like high fiving right now. <laughs> Way to go, man! Good job. <laughs> I'm perfectly but, fine being objectified at any stage in my life. I mean, exactly. but honestly, if if that had happened to me at that stage in my life, I would have taken the molestation over having <laughs> talk in front of people, man. You know, I think most people would take that because talking in front of a crowd, if you've never done it before. It's just, it's the worst thing in the world. It's the worst experience you could have. Yeah, was, it is. Was the it teacher is. hot? What? Uh, <laughs> I th- I'd say she probably was, but I, it's very vague, very vague memory of that, of what she looked like. You had a bang there, though, right? Yeah, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, without a doubt. I was in middle school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. I would have banged my desk See? and had a hole in it. Attaboy. <laughs> <laughs> but, See, uh, double yes. standards. 
That's that's no, true. Uh, yeah, no, I, I hated it. I wanted to avoid it at all costs. Uh, it was, yeah, it was my biggest fear is having to be in front of people and talking. And then now I've, you know, I've done places with 5,000 people. That's another thing, though, is people usually think like, wow, man, how's it like, wasn't it nerve wracking 5,000 people? But I'll do 5,000 people any day. It's when you have seven people that it's oh, really yeah. hard to do stand up and to fucking try to get this crowd going. And then they're all self-conscious fucking because they're not wide. necessarily know each other. So they don't feel comfortable. Like, that's the toughest. Like, I'll, I'll take 5,000 any day. Not that I have the choice to do 5,000. Like, I'm talking about, like, <laughs> yeah. do, tomorrow I'm going to do 5,000. But Thursday uh, but, 7. Yeah, Thursday at 7, just a secret show. We're, we're going to keep it at 5,000. After that, we start turning people Some away. Some people like the small shows. Yeah, some people no. like the small shows. Though, oh, I'll they? take I'll take a, a like like there's a club in Atlanta called the Laughing Skull that sits like eighty, I think. Mm. And and I've done shows that were very like I did one, uh, I think like about a week ago where it only there was maybe seating for forty. Mm. Now those are good because you can have a small audience and uh, and and still be a, a, a packed room, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, and like those shows are fine. I'm talking about when you're in a hundred person room and there's seven people in the yeah. audience. That's well, when so it's some towns have uh, from what my understanding, some towns have a different humor than others. And they'll if a town understands your humor and likes your humor, then you're golden. Where other towns it's just like, what? That's true to an extent, because I, I run into that all the time. Like if I'm doing a big city versus a rural town and it could be the same state and it, it'll be a world of difference between being in the city and being, you know, an hour out of the city. But because there's if if uh, there's not a luxury I have, but like famous comics, like, for example, I've toured with Doug Stanhope. Do you guys know Doug Stanhope? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've toured with Doug. And I've done, we've done tours in the Southeast. We did Birmingham, Alabama several times. And I remember when he posted about that show on his uh, social media, people were like, oh shit. Like, what, you want to die? What the fuck are you (laughs) doing in Birmingham, Alabama, dude? But here's the thing is that those people aren't showing up to Stanhope show, the people that would hate him. The people that are showing up now are the people that already know him. Yeah, they go out of their way. And they go out of their way. And not only that, man, but they're even more into the show than if you were doing, say, Chicago. Because, Mm. like, in Chicago, New York, they're used to having shit like that all the time, man. Mm. But in Birmingham, Alabama, they not only are they not getting a lot of uh, cool people coming around, but also they're surrounded by these fucking dickheads all the time. So they're even more enthused to see somebody come into town that's like fucking somebody that believes the same shit that I do or that yeah. has the same, same sense of humor as I do. So they, I've the end. So I say that. So I've done great shows in Birmingham with Stanhope opening for him. I've also done the club in Birmingham, the actual comedy club. And last time I was there, I got fired. So really same city, but just two different, totally different audiences. Interesting. And when you say fired, you just mean you bombed on stage? No. Well, both. <laughs> That's why I got fired. That's cause and effect. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I mean, did. I did like a like Tuesday night. They, yeah. I was supposed to be there like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I think, or maybe Tuesday, Wednesday. <laughs> and I did Tuesday and it was just terrible. The club there is called the Stardome. It's this huge venue, but they... Uh, on weekdays, they uh, they do what they call paper the room, which is give out free tickets. Mm-hmm. So so they give out 
free tickets for the for the weekday shows and it's just riffraff i mean it's just like you know because there's people hey it's free fuck it let's go and so they're not really invested in the show they're not really like hey i got in here for free who gives a fuck yeah whereas if they had paid 20 25 for a ticket then they'd be well i mean you know okay i'm gonna pay attention to the show when i fucking get they're also probably you know they're comedy goers they're they're looking for the laugh where just random people walking down the street are like this could be good bad or otherwise right right so so I, I'd done that room before. Never done. At best, I'd done okay. But then that night was especially bad. So, yeah, the next morning I got a call from the booker and like, hey, uh, what happened last night? I'm like, ah, it fucking sucked. And they're like, yeah, they, they want another comic. And I'm like, great. I don't want to fucking be here. <laughs> I don't either, have to man. deal with that shit again. No, no. Yeah, I was not. I was not bummed out about that. But yeah, so going back to the question, yeah, city to city, it can depend what personalities the audience is going to have. But if you're famous, if if you're attracting your people, then it really doesn't matter where you go. And you might even have better shows in, in little cities that are going to appreciate the fact that you're there. That might be the benefit to social media nowadays, though, because you can have a following and they'll pay attention to where the hell you're going everywhere, even if you're not massive, you know? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I don't even know. I was uh, when I started 15 years ago, social media wasn't a big thing. But I I do remember talking to comics that took me on the road that had been doing it since the early 90s. And I was just surprised that they could do it. Forget just telling people where you're going to be as far as dates, but just getting to the gig. Like you have to take out an atlas and fucking figure out the route. And then when you get there, there's no cell phones. So you got to fucking find a payphone somewhere so you can get exact directions on how to get to the actual club. I was like, how the fuck did you? And then how did you confirm gigs with? So you have to send an actual letter or yeah. or talk on the phone directly to confirm these gigs. Like all that shit is mind blowing to me. And, be, and even then, like my technology then was... Uh, printing maps from a uh, map quest to get yeah, to the yeah. gigs. Like that was like, how did you guys not, how were you guys able to do comedy without these pieces of paper here that I print every time I go somewhere? And then, you know, obviously eventually you got GPS and all that shit. I would say, but they, they did what everyone else did. You got on, a, you pulled out the map, you found the street and you drove on the street until you found the number. Yeah. But just, I mean, basically, yeah. But we didn't, we, it's been so long now that we haven't had to deal with these things. We're sitting there like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I've become so reliable, reli- like like I rely on my G- at some point I was relying on my GPS so much that if that motherfucker had told him like, hey, now you're driving to the lake, I'll be fucking all right. I drive to, to oh, yeah. the lake. You know what I mean? Like that you can become that numb to that shit. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, listen, I love my GPS. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, it, it wasn't that long ago that we were doing that shit. No, I mean, unfortunately, back then, I wasn't drive. I wasn't a stand up, so I, I wasn't really driving uh, very far away. That that's what would have scared me. Like a fucking, I've never been to North Dakota before. All right, hope yeah. it works out. You know what I mean, <laughs> get that fucking Rand McNally or whatever the fuck. It well, is. not only that, like like you said, you're you're calling them when you're at home. You're probably not calling too much on the ride there unless you're finding a payphone. Right. And yeah. Hoping to God they still hold you, which. Back then, they probably did. Nowadays, they're they're probably more likely to be like, "Yeah, no, we'll cut you." Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's uh, uh, I think about how you know it wasn't a piece of cake when I started, but I, even before that, I mean, you know. But I, yeah, like you said, yeah, we did that. I mean, people had been doing that for decades. Now, have you ever That's, gotten like bumped by someone just because they they decide to show up? Uh, in no, I that happens a lot in New York. 
where where if you're booked in some show and they you know all the famous comics live or la because all the famous comics live there so if you're in a show and uh fucking uh, seinfeld show up well they're not gonna be like well sorry carlos is here we gotta go home <laughs> seinfeld <laughs> you know <laughs> but uh but it didn't even when i lived in new york it didn't happen to me too much because a lot of the shows that i did were more like independent shows so so they have more liberty to be like, oh, Hannibal Burris just showed up, so he'll do some time, but then you'll go, you know, just go a little later or whatever. If you're, if I, if I was working more at the comedy clubs like, like Caroline's or Gotham or Stand Up New York, like those type of places, I probably would have, yeah, run into that sooner or later. Now we're we, getting back to when you're talking about the different demographics. Uh, when you're, if you're going to like a really rural show, followed up by something in the middle of a city and it's not an audience, you know, is expecting you. Do you have like a separate set of jokes for rednecks and those sophisticated city types? <laughs> I, I can, I can switch some stuff up like to, to an extent. Like either, if the bit is short enough, I can, uh, I can exclude it or, or replace it with something else. And then I know certain shit is just not going to fly as well in, in one town or another. So I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll swap it with something else. I mean, cause usually I still have to do the same amount of time in both places. So I'm going to, I can't just drop, can't just do 30 minutes in one place and 45 at the other. But if the, but some, but the core of what I do still basically remains the same. It's not like I, you know, go into the city and uh, tell them how I hate racists. And then I do a KKK <laughs> rally when I'm in the bumfuck. You know what I mean? It's so, like, I so it's more like when you go south to Birmingham, you just do the same jokes with a southern accent. That's right. And then I say, <laughs> uh, get her done a lot. And has anybody done that before? <laughs> get her done. <laughs> no, but I, yeah, the core of what I do remains the same. And if it's a long bit, then, then it just stays. Because I, I, like I was doing a bit, which I, yeah, I think it's in my last album, so I don't do it as much anymore about the rebel flag and how, you know, I don't get what the pride is in the rebel flag because you lost mm -hmm. the war. You should be waving a white flag. But so I did, I had a long bit about that and it was too long. I had to do it wherever I went. So I was doing that in the South. I was doing that in the North. I just had, I just did that everywhere. So there's certain <laughs> bits that I knew, and I knew that when I was doing fucking Tuscaloosa, it wasn't going to fly there. Yeah. Almost literally. Yeah, you were going to get booze. Yeah. But my, the way I do it is basically, uh, I try to, I don't, I don't start off my set with that. I, yeah. I try to establish myself as uh, Andy Holland, because, you know, that's how I identify as Andy <laughs> Holland for <laughs> podcasts. But I try to establish that I'm funny, at least, you know, telling some jokes that usually, you know, they, they, that always work, you know, for lack of a better way of putting it. So after I do about 10 minutes of that, then I'll drop the the rebel flag bit. Yeah. And at that point, uh, they may or may not be receptive, but even if they're not receptive, at least I've already established they know like, OK, that's a funny guy up there. You know, yeah. okay, I might disagree this joke with might not hit, but I'm waiting for the next one. Exactly. He already proved the, to us that he's that he can be funny. All right. Yeah, we'll give him we'll out. give him. Yeah. So I, this, so if I tell something like that, they'll be more like, oh, OK, well, that wasn't for me, but I know there's something else coming. I know this guy can do it. Mm -hmm. So you, that's basically how I do it. That's how I approach it when I have bits that I know are going to be not going to hit well in a certain place. I establish myself first and then, you know, all right, you didn't like that part. I'll, 
you'll, I'll get you with the with the next round of dick jokes. <laughs> <laughs> so do you still are you still minutes. laughing at your own jokes when you're up there a year into a tour? <laughs> no, man, I don't <laughs> laugh at my jokes the fucking day after the fucking tour. I don't. That, actually, I was just telling somebody that because uh, we were talking about Chappelle, and that's it's a pet peeve of mine when comics laugh too much at their own jokes. Yeah, they got to really get it out. Yeah. It's that when it Jimmy yeah. Fallon, right? Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon was wicked bad. For oh that. yeah, that's right. Yeah, he would laugh in the middle of sketches and shit. Every fucking sketch, he'd be laughing in the middle of it. I think he was probably high as fuck, but. <laughs> well, yeah. See, and I'll, and yeah, and if it's a sketch thing when you're there's other people around and you don't know what they're gonna do or they fuck up or something, but as a stand-up, you've heard your own jokes, dude, like five thousand yeah. times. There's no way you're catching yourself by surprise. Yeah, but he would laugh at his 5, own 000. fucking bit in the sketch. Like it, yeah. it, it, it killed me every time. Like, dude, stop laughing at yourself. But but like, that's uh, a <laughs> and I still like Chappelle. I, I mean, I also do agree that I, I liked them better back in the day. But but that is one thing that's a pet peeve of mine that Chappelle does sometimes he'll like bend over and, and bump the mic against his thigh mm-hmm. and i'm like come on dave you you told this joke before man you're not being caught by surprise by your own fucking wit right now yeah i mean sometimes i wonder with him if he's trying to sell it that he's enjoying it or something you know well that is basically what it is it's kind of because somebody did hit me up after i posted that and they, they didn't want to comment publicly because fucking you can't say anything and people are going to jump on you but mm-hmm. he was like yeah i got uh I don't like that either in comics because it basically is kind of like the equivalent of a laugh track if you're watching a sitcom. Oh, like, hey, this is your cue to laugh. I'm yeah, laughing. Exactly. So you should be laughing too. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, much like now. Grizz, I like being a trained monkey. I don't have to think if they tell me when. <laughs> yeah, that's laugh. true, man. That's right. Maybe that's what that's the key, man. Just fucking, if you just train them to laugh, then you don't have to do any of the work. <laughs> no, fuck that. Nope. <laughs> Yeah, I get the dumbest shit to make me laugh though. My wife hates it. She can't understand it. She's like, "Oh, I, I'm the way. I'm that way, man. I mean, like that's the other part is like, I, uh, I also, I, I, I always like was a big fan of uh, like like Bill Hicks and Stanhope is one of my favorites. I like comics. Richard Pryor's Carlin. Oh, Richard Pryor. You know, like I love comics that have that that say very intelligent stuff and have a very good point to make. Like I like that stuff. Uh, but I also like fart jokes, dude. Like I still can't, you know, I'm still not, I don't want to ever turn it. I never want to turn into the cunt. That's like, I'm, I'm above, uh, laughing at, uh, turds. It's like, no, the fucking word turd is funny, man. Fuck you. Dude, Mitch Hedberg. It was like, Hey man, do you want a frozen banana? No, but I want a regular banana later. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. That was the, that I love all those silly, silly jokes. Like one of my favorites, did you guys ever watch Mr. Show? No, I did not. No, Mr. Show was a HBO sketch show, and it was David Cross and Bob Odenkirk uh, were the okay. head guys. And but they had all kind like all kinds of people that are famous now were on that, like Patton Oswalt, Brian Posehn, um, Jack Black, Alicia, uh, Sarah Silverman. Anyway, it was a fucking great cast. But they had one sketch. It's called the Everest sketch, and it's this guy that comes back from Everest, and he's telling the story of going to Everest. But he keeps slipping and knocking down all this porcelain shit. And so and so they have to, oh, okay, they got to stop and put all the stuff back in place. And so he goes into the story again, falls over, knocks everything knocks down. down again. This happens like 
five, six times. And I've never laughed harder in my life at anything because it's just so stupid. Yeah. It's like by the end of, of the of the sketch, the people that are listening to the story are just almost in tears because they know he's about to knock everything over. <laughs> and it's not even it's not even that clever. It's just this repetition of the absurd yeah. that just cracks me up. So like, I like, love all that shit. It's like slapstick comedy, right? Yeah. Slapstick yeah. Comedy movies. I, I don't know. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm getting older, but. I that good one hasn't come out for a while. You know what I mean? Like the nineties is basically Mel Brooks just fucking hammered everything. And that's well, great. But now, I mean, I watched, um, I watched one maybe a few weeks ago and I don't know if it's just too dumb where I'm sitting there like, yeah, I saw that coming six years ago. Come on, give me some, you got to catch me off guard. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, that, that is the crux of everything is the, uh, misdirection, you know, just hit, hit somebody where they're not, where they don't expect it to come. Like if you, I actually wanted to do that once I had that idea for a TV show, but it's just too mean of like having a, a you can have like two, three stand up comics veterans mm-hmm. and then have open micers go up and do their sets. And then you, when you ring a, 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 a button or something, you can say where you, where the joke was going. Cause it happens so often when you see an open micer start with a certain premise mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh, I, I bet you this is where they're going. And you can yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, stop. Oh yeah. Like a timer. Yeah. And then you can tell, you can stop them because you see where the joke is coming and it happened, yeah, yeah. but it would be too mean. I mean, like a, now you'd be crushing open. Yeah, micers that's good. Maybe they, cause I mean, now what's his name that does that? He's in L.A. Who? I can't think of his fucking name right now. That does He's what, a, though? He, he do, it's not the same idea. He gives it. Oh, you're talking about uh, the Doug Benson interruption? No, he gives comedians a minute. Oh, oh, uh, Kill Tony, uh, Tony Hinchcliffe. Yeah, Kill Tony, which Tony Hinchcliffe, I don't find funny, but if you do, great. I um, really haven't heard his stand-up. But I like the idea that he gives everyone a minute, right? And at the same time, you perfect place because those people are trying to, you know, hone their craft. And if you're telling them, hey, we're seeing this coming a mile away, guess what? Either figure it out or throw that joke out. That's true. But I mean, some people have thicker skin than others, though, man. Like, so, yeah, like, but I think if you're a comedian, you got to have thick skin. I think oh, if, yeah. you're in the, if you're in the spotlight, you got to have thick skin. Guess what? For They're sure, coming. for sure. You got to grow it at the very least if you, yeah, if you don't true. have it when you begin. Well, Grizz, I think you're also a hard man to please. You're, you're a real stickler for stuff like that. Not when it comes to comedy, man. Dude, the dumbest oh, yeah. shit makes Yeah, when it laugh. comes to comedy, for sure. I, I laugh at the stupidest shit that Grizz is like. Oh my god, that's not funny. Like, I, did. I, I didn't even send him what my what my son sent me today. He probably would have. <laughs> but my son sent me the worst Photoshop I've ever seen. Of he took a picture of our dog taking a shit, looking dead into the camera, and made it black and white and turned it into a five dollar bill. Oh, <laughs> okay. yeah, that's, that's good. good. That's good. Yeah, we, we have a mini dachshund, so he looks like an idiot anyway. And <laughs> so he's his name is Peanut, and he sent me the the Photoshop that said five peanutters. And that, that's pretty I, good though that I, he fucking I lost the Photoshop it. skills. Kids eleven. Yeah, yeah, but still, <laughs> that that was the greatest thing I'd seen all week. <laughs> well, did you guys ever hear? I, and I hate I hate to paraphrase it because it's he's one of my favorite comics that passed away. It was Greg Giraldo? Do you guys ever listen to Giraldo? Not to my knowledge. Uh, Greg Giraldo was fucking amazing. Coming, he used to do a lot of the early roasts uh, yeah. in the you know 2000s oh roasts are fantastic and he was amazing at him he was probably the best when because he was the he was probably the least famous person on the dais but he always had the best jokes 
but this is just from his stand-up or something. It was something like he was talking to his son and his son is like, Hey daddy, why do, why do all the uh, bad people want to kill the good people? And he's like, well, you know, that's, that's just unfortunately how the world works. And, and, but the worst part is that my son's like, he's 23. <laughs> or stuff like that I, I butchered it I hate to butcher it but that was basically the the premise but yeah if you haven't listened to Greg Geraldo good lord man he's fucking what I appreciated about him uh, more than probably some other comics is that he was Hispanic he was actually I think it was like half Colombian which I'm, I'm Colombian too I was born in the States but my family both my parents are Colombian but if you watch his stand up he rarely ever mentioned being Hispanic because yeah. that, that's what I, and that's what I loved about it. Because too many, uh, not just Hispanic, but just any ethnicity uh, comics just hold on to that, it. and that's their whole bit. And I'm like, yeah. you can talk about it, you can mention it. Obviously, it's who you are. But fucking, I get bored with anybody that's talking about the same shit for 50 minutes. You know what Carlos I mean? Mencia, fucking, yeah. Um, so it was a like bunch of them. back in the day. It was yeah, like Mencia and Paul Rodriguez, and I think uh, although I haven't really seen much of his shit, but I think that uh, the big fat guy Gabriel Iglesias. I was going to say he plays more to being fat, I think, than he does to being Mexican. Or but fat, I think he does yeah. Both. But anyway, that shit bores me to death. But if you saw Geraldo, man, he might have mentioned it once or twice, but it's just his shit's just hilarious on its own. It just stands on its own. I think with the roast, though, I, I feel like you got to be in that crowd, right? That's got to be happening all the time. Because if, if you've ever been around someone who can roast people on the fly, does, they don't even have to know them that well. Mm -hmm. you, it's part of your life 24-7. Like Jerry and I have worked with areas where like, Literally, there's no second of the day that you have you have to be on your toes that you're just going to get shit on. But where, where, as as you get where was this? That, where it just it basically working uh, like uh, trades jobs right? okay. where you're just going to get shit on if you if you're not in that field, it, you're just not you, you you're not going to be as quick. You're not going to come up with oh, that yeah, joke yeah. immediately. Like so, to me, that dude's just living on edge constantly, ready to shit on anyone around him. Well, he and Geraldo was part of that crew that was the tough crowd crew with like uh, Nick DiPaolo and uh, Colin Quinn and uh, oh, yeah. Patrice O'Neill. Mm -hmm. Bill Burr was also part of that crowd. So yeah, you know these motherfuckers are constantly giving each other oh, shit. I guarantee you, but Bill Burr's shitting on everything and anything. <laughs> yeah, so that's why I like I was just talking to a comic that we had on the podcast just the other day where I tell him that. That's how you know, like as a comic, if I give a fuck about you is if I if I give oh, you shit. Yep. If I if I didn't give a fuck about you, I, I I wouldn't give you shit. The the ones that I care the most about, those are the ones that I'm constantly. Yeah, I'm gonna shit with. on you constantly. That's how and I then show they my shit love. on me, and it's hilarious too. I mean, you know, it's all it's all fun. Like that's why I think that might be part of what people don't understand with stand up comics when they see them do their sets is that it's just it's all meant to make people laugh. It's not really, you know, you could say the most, it might sound to a third person like the most vicious shit you could ever say to a friend, but no, it's just, it's love, man. Yeah, and they appreciate it. Yeah. I also wonder if that's going to change with a generation, right? No Cause way. like, I think with no our general, you don't want it to, right? See, I just offended Jerry. Right? <laughs> I told him something that's true, but he doesn't want to know it because our generation that was our thing and i even previous generations right you show that you like someone by shitting on you if i don't like you i'm not going to talk <laughs> i'm just going to shut up and go on my merry way but now 
with how everyone's going. Like, I don't hear my kids shitting on my kids, friends shitting on each other as much as we did. I feel like I that know, was man. a thing. My son does it constantly. He's that guy right? who roasts everything that walks past him. <laughs> no, my son tries to, but he, fuck, he, he can't figure it out. Know, that sounds, that sounds more like bad parenting to me, man. You're just letting this kid go rampant, just fucking yelling at the mailman and shit. <laughs> He's oh, I tell him place. he fails. Actually, it's like, it's like living with a tiny Ryan Reynolds. It's, it's the most ridiculous <laughs> thing. <laughs> so oh. who I, I was wondering while we're talking here, who have you seen before they got big? You you saw them and they were like you were like yeah these guys are gonna go somewhere. And I think well, the only person I saw was Amy Schumer. Saw her before when, she blew up. When did you see her? Like what time frame? Oh shit, man, that's a good question. I would say like 2010 or 11. Okay, because here's the thing: is like because I followed comedy so much at that point when I started, like stand up, I was a big fan, so I probably knew a lot of comics that were uh, had been on TV but weren't necessarily like blown up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I saw, I mean, he was still fairly known, but I saw Louis C.K. at the comedy club once. Mm-hmm. And, and he's you know, trying to make a comeback, isn't he? Probably. I mean, it, it's again like we were talking about. There's a controversy for a while. People forget. Yeah, he got bombed, back. though. Like, he got. He oh, got yeah, yeah, just, for sure. Hardcore. Uh, but he, you know, like a year after I saw him, he was just doing theaters all over the place he doesn't do he doesn't do really comedy clubs anymore i mean when i met tom segura we were just doing a comedy club so he wasn't really as huge as he as he is now where he just mm-hmm. does theaters all over the place yeah i think those are those are a couple that i saw and then there's others that are uh that have you know very good careers now but not necessarily household names that i've worked with in the past yeah, I wonder how much, especially now with the way the the, the environment is, if they kind of stay underground because just the fear of, of backlash if you made it into mainstream. I mean, I know I know that there is a lot of comics that uh, I think it's almost like a rule now that if you get a big thing before they even announce the big thing, they tell you, go through your Twitter, fucking scrap whatever you can, mm-hmm. look through the whole fucking thing. <laughs> I think they're and, telling that to everyone now. We just did a, a medical student like two weeks ago. Oh, really? And yeah. they told him the same thing. They said, hey, get rid of all social media. Just burn. Yeah, not just go through it. They were like, delete everything. It just don't exist on it. the internet. I, now, granted, yeah. I don't know how much you could do that as a stand-up comedian, but... <laughs> as a, I mean, once, once it's announced that you're famous, it's almost like there's... Uh, a squad out there ready to like screen capture every tweet once somebody gets announced that they got a big thing like boom yeah. go in there screen cap everything before yeah, they, they take it, it out of context and you're like i didn't really mean to kill as many children as you can it's yeah that's context. right yeah they're they're greatly exaggerating the number of kids i killed <laughs> some i just raped I totally think women are funny <laughs> <laughs> and then that's uh so yeah, so that's a thing now. It's like it, people have got to be aware of what I had a friend that just did a damn. He was he was a he did that show. Uh, you know the Practical Jokers? They have a game show. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, I don't know yep. what it's called. It's yeah, Crisis something something like that. Mm-hmm. And just to do that show, he was like a contestant. He had to go through his fucking Twitter to go through everything because yeah, if they go through your shit and they find something offensive. Then, well, then you can't have you on. There's probably going to be a job. That's going to be a career. What are you? I'm a social media scrubber. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, Before, for sure. All right, you know how you got to sign freaking NDTs now? All right, let me go through. We're going to uh, scan your social media and anything you have that's bad. Right. Oh, I've, I've heard of companies that do. I mean, not necessarily oh, just Twitter, but like they'll try to go through your history of everything to try to scrap everything. That, but I mean, come on, man. I mean, at, at this point, I've got like uh, at least a 12 year history of a lot of offensive shit. I can't. It would take me another 15 years to fucking scrub that shit. So it's like at this point, it's just like take it or leave it, man. Well, so that's what we were talking about before you got on here is like, is there a point where enough people in the industry whether it be comedy or entertainment or whatever, just saying, God, I'm tired of this shit. Fuck it. And just put out whatever they put out. Their intentions are not bad. Right. And they're just that, you know what? We're sick of this, like tiptoeing on eggshells 24 mm-hmm. seven. And they just do their thing. Like, that's well, what I'm hoping we get. Back well, to. hopefully, I mean, and that is possible because it's been done. I mean, uh, you know, oh, yeah. before Louis all whole thing, he was just releasing shit on his website. I was like, Hey, it's five bucks. Or whatever, ten bucks. CK was hilarious. I yeah, yeah. Made me laugh my ass off. Oh yeah, absolutely. And he was, and he was doing it basically. I mean, he was jumping. I mean, not jumping, but he was just uh, cutting the middleman and just releasing the albums himself. So it is possible to do that. It's, and I, and I, I guess that is one other thing that's fortunate about uh, the internet. You know, uh, as far as the stand-up comic is concerned, is that you could just record your own thing and put yeah. it on YouTube. Now yeah. the the thing is like it's a lot harder to do it as a as a if you're not if you don't really have a following if you have a following like at this point yeah. I think Bill Burr Joe Rogan Chappelle even all of them if they wanted to they could just release their shit uh, by themselves yeah. and have their own make, website no one's going to stop them exactly they can do it and people are going to buy that shit because they have a huge fan base. Uh, as a starting comedian or as a comedian that's not famous, then yeah, you can do that. You can put your thing out there, but it's, it's going to be, be hard. A slow grind. Yeah, it's going to be hard to get people's attention. And then now you have to worry or not worry, but uh, just, you know, if you really want to get the word out about your shit, you got to do promo and all this other shit that most comedians just absolutely suck at. Yeah, but my, my killer with that is like you take Bill Burr, right? He, he started a podcast. Have you listened mm-hmm. to it? Either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't listen regularly, but I have in the past. It's fucking garbage. <laughs> like, as a, as a comedian, sure, I enjoy your shit. I'll laugh my ass off. But I listened to his podcast and I was like, I might as well go fucking sit at the end of the street and talk to hobos. Like, isn't it just him? Right? Isn't it just yeah, him talking? It's him, yeah. literally swearing like every two seconds. That's the thing. Is like that's I, how he I talks. Love- <laughs> I know. Yeah. Listen, he's from Massachusetts. <laughs> the the. Well, the podcast is obviously super popular because, you know, he's got a big, but I, yeah, I get bored listening to just one person talk for a long time. Like I don't, but you know, obviously it's, you know, some people dig it. It's, but again, I mean, when he started that, he wasn't, maybe he wasn't as famous as he is now, but he already was Bill Burr. Like he was, comics already knew. Oh, he already had a name. I don't think he would have started a podcast if it wasn't like, you know, everyone, every celebrity starting one. So that's the thing with a lot of these, like a lot of questions that I get is uh, there's one answer for famous comics. There's one answer for non-famous comics. And I actually was a friend of mine. I just saw a post today about she was talking about cancel culture. And a lot of people talk about like, you know, there is no such thing as cancel culture and Chappelle's going to be fine and all this. 
and and that's true Chappelle's going to be fine he's going to be a millionaire tomorrow and probably the rest of his life but where the cancel thing and this is how she put it comes into play is non-famous comedians how about Mm -hmm. the comic that just did a gig i'm going to give my own example i did a gig once in chattanooga and some woman took it the wrong way she thought i misgendered her some kind of horseshit that i didn't even realize i didn't have any jokes about that shit but she posted a, a complaint on the venue's uh facebook thing and now i can't go back there it, huh there you get blacklisted yeah right and so now i can't go back there to that venue i mean obviously i can do another venue and i have i've been back to chattanooga but it's people that don't have if you do that enough to uh to comics that don't have the following that Chappelle has, yeah, you could potentially uh, drive them out of the business. Exactly, and that's my problem, because to me, the comics that are funny are the ones that are up and coming. Like, show me a big wig that's made it and came up with good stuff again. Right. Most of them die off. Right. You uh, give me any name. Chappelle, his later years, he's been dying off. Uh, yeah. Jeff Dunham, he fragging, he died off. Uh, like all of them, in their later years, they die off. So well, why that's do I the, care about keeping them going? And that, yeah, and you're absolutely. And I think part of it is that they don't have that same drive that they had when they were coming up. The, and uh, I think it has it, to do with a lot of struggles too, right? Like right. Struggles exactly. is what is going to bring the comedy yeah. out of people. I think. Yeah. Once, Once you're, you're making a shit ton of money, you can't relate to the right. everyday person. Yeah. And, yeah. Exactly. You know. No, it I agree. Just goes yeah. downhill. Yeah, I guess it becomes a lot harder to make fun of a poor person when you're not poor. <laughs> right when yeah, you're exactly. not a poor person anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. Unless you're just donating all the money you make, which fine. <laughs> and also, you know, doing that. Another part of it too, though, and I don't think this is the problem. I think I was saying that Chappelle is rich now, man, so he doesn't have the same struggles. He also doesn't yeah. have to worry about being fired at a comedy club uh, if he says the wrong thing, that sort of thing. But I mean, you know, it's that's a that's that. Um, I also but, wonder, is he, is uh, he, I think younger, new, up and coming might be, clo- they might be more likely to press the edge, right? They're always on that cutting edge of comedy where someone who's been doing it, not, they might I mean, have something that's controversial, but are they pressing the edge of comedy? Maybe not. Yeah, that's, yeah, actually. And, th- and that's uh, what I was actually uh, wanting to say is that Chappelle, I don't think he gives a fuck, but there are other comics that once they get to a certain point, uh, now you're like almost a business now like you like there's a publicist there's an agent if you have a production company then there's other people working for you all kinds mm-hmm. of people so now what you say if it gets you in trouble also gets in trouble everybody that you employ yeah so right. now you have to worry about those concerns and then there's comics that have all kinds of endorsement deals like kevin hart is like credit cards and fucking fast food or whatever he's gonna does all kinds of shit so he yeah. has to worry like if he says something wrong he might lose millions and millions in endorsements so i do think yeah when they become that successful and they become that involved with the business then they they do second guess themselves about oh well i don't know man i just signed with the whatever mastercard i don't want to risk that endorsement hart's another one that died off actually i think maybe it's just me a lot of comedians when they get divorced their shit goes down i don't know why (laughs) that's right well that's i've never gotten married so that's my thing (laughs) i have no excuse (laughs) (laughs) yeah but no and then i agree with that i agree that that once they get bigger they do uh become more at least uh several of them not i can't say all of them but a lot of them become more apprehensive now in your in the 
comedian circles, you guys define success by fame or is it something else? Because, you know, there's countless comedians I've never heard of and they're probably doing just fine. What, what, what is success yeah. to someone like that? I mean, I think, I think with, with that, the definition changes just like you would with anybody out, any other profession, like the guys that like, I, in my opinion, success is just being able to do this for a living. Like I don't like, and I've had this attitude for a long time, even when I started out where I was like, I don't care if I'm ever on TV. If I die when I'm 65 and what I did for a living was stand up comedy, then I win. Because like yeah, I, yeah. I got to do something fun for however many years, whereas most people don't get that luxury. Most people yeah. are stuck working at a place that they don't like, but it's just they give them money for their hours of their life, and then they retire when they're too old to enjoy life. Mm. At six yeah, and that sucks. I mean, so yeah yeah so i basically look at it well if if i can do this for a living then jesus christ man i just lived a life enjoying every fucking day of it i mean doing what you wanted to do doing what i wanted to do yeah i'm not gonna say really enjoying i've done some shit shows that probably but still <laughs> uh it's i had a friend that put it once which is not it's, it sounds a little uh hyperbolic but it's still kind of true where he he did comedy for about 12 years quit for about three years because he was getting a divorce by the way so that should tell oh, you something see, his so <laughs> but he and so he got a job at a warehouse or some shit like that and the way he put it, it was like my my worst day in stand-up was still better than my best day at the warehouse mm. sort of thing and i think part of it is yeah you're doing something that you love to do you so you can't you know as many shit shows as i might do and booker problems or people getting offended it's still, I still prefer this towards the alternative of like, I used to work at a bank. That was my job before stand up oh to still God. be at the bank and the corporate world. It's just not for me. So that's yeah. how I would define success. Now, uh, also you want to have the appreciation of your peers. That's, I think that would be another uh, point that I would make. If you want to be a successful comic, you want to at least be able to say that, Hey, other comics appreciate what I do. They don't think I'm a fucking stupid hack that just does a generic material or whatever. So that's, that's uh, like, that's probably, probably the thing that means the most to me is when I've had uh, comics like Doug Stanhope or Tom Segura bring me out on the road. Cause they're basically saying like, Hey, you, I like what you do. It's good enough to open for me. So that's that I definitely appreciate that a lot. Like the, the, appreciation of other comics i think that's a big part of comedy in general right is that someone took them under their wing at some point right that's how you know that's how you get seen that's how you get grown yeah but the thing is like but the thing is like a lot of comics don't do that man like when i first met like segura we did a gig in appleton wisconsin and we got along super good the whole the whole weekend and he was like yeah man we should work together again and I've heard that so many times. Like I've heard that, like I go all over, like I'm opening for another comment. They're like, oh, it's great, man. We'll work together again. I'm like, yeah, yeah great. And then well, you never they hear. They don't want to be a dick. Yeah. And then you never hear from them again. But mm. Tom, sure enough, man, within like six months, uh, he, he asked me if I could open for him. So I actually couldn't do it, but he asked me. And then like a year later, we did a tour together and I've opened for him a couple of times since then. So, yeah. So I think that that is probably what I appreciate the most now. If you were to ask that question to a multimillionaire comic that every comic hates, they would be like, no, it's the money. 
It's the mm, mark. Oh, that's why you, that's how that's why you define success. I think basically it depends on who you ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because some of them it's like to hit a fifty thousand plus or whatever number crowd and yeah, exactly, or make bigger and bigger theaters. Or like, ah, oh, I'm only doing theaters. I want to do stadiums. You know, like that sort of thing. Like I've right. heard others who were just like, once I get my Netflix special, that's when I know I've made it. Well, you know, I mean, there's different. I honestly, I'm just happy as long as I can do, keep doing stand up comedy. I'm. I'm fine. Everything else would just be the, and obviously, you know, doing you guys podcast is probably the highlight of course my career. (laughs) Well, we kind of tell that to all our guests. We're actually doing you a service. Uh, Thank you. We're just, this is a $50,000 value and we're going to give it to you. Oh my God. We had a woman do that. We had a woman be like, Oh, I normally charge $500. Well, I mean, I think, I think that was just zooms. Uh, Andy, this is it. Was your turn to freeze? <laughs> no, no, not Andy. See, I'm calling everybody Andy. See, the, That's uh, fine. this episode, we're uh, all Andy. Yeah, yeah, everybody's Andy. This it's the Andy, 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 and Andy, and whatever the other Gruber is. But you froze. You it was your turn to freeze, and uh, you froze at we had a woman. Yeah, so we like, had yeah. a woman. Who yeah, but that's where it stopped. Came... And I'm like, holy shit, this is fucking Zoom trying to prevent a lawsuit right here. <laughs> no, well, we, we had a woman. We had a woman. She molested censored. Jerry and I. It was awful. No, um, <laughs> we had a woman come on, and she was like, yeah, normally I charge five hundred dollars for this. We were like, that's great. We would never have paid you. Like <laughs> now, uh, do you uh, you do just guests on your podcast? What's your podcast all about? It's uh, it's called Indecorous Comedy. We um, we do it's a comedy podcast first of all, but I just didn't I didn't I want to so. do a podcast about uh, it's me and two other guys, Ian and Bobby is their names, and they wanted it. They actually brought them up. Like Ian, I think might have been the first one to bring it up. Uh, but the thing is, like, I didn't want to do a podcast where just we would talk just us three because I think we would run out of shit to talk about. So, so definitely, I thought like, well, we have to have a get, have guests, and then I also wanted to, to have another level to it, and so we do like um, historical shit, like weird, dark, or or absurd shit from history, or or just weird facts sort of thing. So like we do that once, like I'd learned, I've actually learned a lot since I started doing it because like, I didn't know, like, do you guys know that when they filmed the wizard of Oz, there was like a big, big, huge midget orgy. What? <laughs> I thought yeah. you were going to talk about the dude hanging himself. Nope. Didn't know. About no, that. no. I mean, it probably was autoerotic asphyxiation from all the stories Man, I've heard, <laughs> but uh, yeah, apparently this was like the biggest gathering of uh, little people. Let's just say little people. I don't want to get you guys canceled. And apparently they just get, went wild, man. They put them all in the same hotel room and they put them like four, four <laughs> at a room. Who, yeah, on. I know. It's who like, organized yeah, it's like, this? It's like, I'm already, I'm like, even as the I said it, I was like, like hey, we don't really give a shit about you. So we're yeah, slamming you all yeah. in one room. It's only the, what is, the Illuminati. We'll just call it the <laughs> Illuminati. Put them all in a hotel room. And apparently they couldn't keep from fucking each other. So they were just having like daily orgies and they would get drunk and they would have to go out and catch them and shit like with a net i don't know what it was a fucking <laughs> and then one of them hung themselves yeah, they wanted them hung them so yeah i didn't we, i didn't know that dark turn you didn't know that you can if you had the original like it was all these disney movies back in the day right i don't know if you can still find it but in the original if you watched um they're going down the yellow brick road or whatever and in the trees in the background you can see a midget hanging but it's it's hanging from a tree really news fucking just i've swimming. never even heard of that yeah, yes. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you've heard of like sui- uh, Little Mermaid has dicks on the front page, on the cover, right? 
What the yeah. fuck? Is this a, did you get this from QAnon? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah it sounds like some shit that they would there. make up. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the midget suicide the midget suicide aside uh back then when they made that movie uh they weren't exactly big on treating people fairly so they probably just oh, said no. the orgy was how they were paying them yeah that's right yeah we're, the, we're paying you and come <laughs> <laughs> and apparently Jerry, these, these midgets look it up, were out of i control. can't share the screen look up the image of the midget hanging themselves probably covered in cum <laughs> Yeah, but it's just dripping in cum. <laughs> he actually was suffocated by the cum first, and then he hung him. So then they hung him to make it look like a suicide. That was a Japanese <laughs> chick like two years ago. <laughs> she I, uh, was the first woman to drown in it. It drowned in cum? Yeah, <laughs> that sounds it was, right. It was one of those Japanese... Um, the Bukaki videos? Bukaki freaking videos. And she literally drowned. And one of the dudes in the video tried to save her life. That man's got devotion. <laughs> This uh, let me run this by you guys because well actually let me ask you how old are you uh, Andy and then you too Andy and then <laughs> well, Andy can go after that Andy is what 33 34 me you, yeah I, I just turned 33 last week oh, so we, okay. happy birthday happy man. birthday yeah. Libra yeah uh, well I'm balanced well balanced that's right there you go how about yeah, you I'm, Andy I'm and 37. Andy all right. I don't. Okay. I think, see, I have this joke that I tell that I've been telling lately and I don't like doing material, but, but I, the reason I do this joke is because only about 20% of the audience gets it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even as little as 10, but they laugh really hard. And then everybody's just weirded out. Yeah, Everyone's like, why and are that, you laughing? And that amuses me. Like that part amuses me. <laughs> just the fact that only like a small percentage of the audience. Got. So this is the, and I'm going to just, I'm not going to do the whole bit, but the, the joke is basically like, if you have a small penis, uh, you know, you should have sex with a Japanese lady because they're used to the small penises. Like that's the advice that I got. Like, Hey, yep. you got a small penis, fuck a Japanese lady, Japanese dudes, small penises. And I'm like, uh, uh, I, I don't think I could do that because I'm I'm very intimidated to have sex with a Japanese woman because because it's hard enough to find a G spot as it is, let alone trying to find it on a blurry pussy. <laughs> so, did you, I get, did you get it? Did you get, get it? it? Of course. Okay. See, I yeah, well, you say of course, I say of course, and then I tell it in front of three hundred people, and only thirty people laugh. And everybody's like, "What well, the blurry pussy?" All right, so I, I have a story that goes perfectly with this. Okay. So uh, I'm in Japan, and with a bunch of buddies, and one of them, this dude lost his virginity to a, uh, I want to say, a 47 year old Thai hooker, just to okay. give you the, the the idea here. And couldn't heck, dude had no game. Couldn't get laid outside of a whorehouse, right? Well, that's that's shocking that yeah. a guy that lost his virginity for a forty-seven year old Thai hooker. Yeah, but a forty-seven year old Thai hooker looks like a twelve-year-old boy. That so, is true. If you're lucky, yeah. <laughs> so we're we're he's bitching that he needs he wants to get laid. So we're walking down the red light district in Japan, and me and my buddies are all in the middle of the street. We're just drinking, having a good time, and he's going door to door with our one buddy who actually speaks Japanese. And he's going door to door and he's getting shut down left and right. And you're just like, Jesus Christ, man. We get to the end of the street and he's been turned down everywhere. And we finally, we look at our Japanese buddy and we're like, what the hell happened? None of the hookers would touch him because if any of their Japanese regulars saw him go in there, they would never touch her ever again because they felt 
that now she would be torn up by a massive American penis. <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. Yep. True story. And just like that, we no longer have a Japanese audience. That's, <laughs> that's a true that, story. I'm not fucking making fun of anyone. That's, I didn't know that was a stereotype. Yeah. That Holy was fucking no word of a lie. That happened. He then wow. later went and took a shit in the woods and we made him wipe his ass with armor all wipes. But that's something oh boy. else. Oh boy. <laughs> Yes, they oh, held know. him down and wiped his ass with arm rollers. Well, I mean, you know, I, I made that part up. Everybody's <laughs> no. got their own way of coming. You know what I mean? I don't judge. <laughs> I wonder, though, if it's because I'm saying because I was saying the stereotype is that Americans got big penises. But I wonder if it's just that they're so used to Japanese so the men having small penises. That the Americans have big penises that they're smaller than everybody. theirs are so small that in comparison, American looks big. Exactly. That was either the, way was it works out though. Either. I mean, I guess it didn't work out for that dude, but uh, if he had any game, no. it probably would have worked out. <laughs> <laughs> he just said, no, a, no, I'm small. <laughs> yeah. He just, uh, no, no, well, I'm just with you. a regular lady, man, he can just show up his passport and then she'll be like, well, okay. So you must have a huge dick. <laughs> You're American. You must. Yeah, be that's a blue passport. You must have a huge dick. They did that shit years ago where they had a, a map of the world and they did the average dick size. Oh, really? You don't remember that? I thought you were going to say that they they were putting dick size on the passport now. That's what they should. <laughs> they should. Yeah, preference, I think preference by size. Exactly. That's right. No, I don't. I I mean, I'm sure. I don't doubt that they did the measuring around the world. Who won? Uh, Africa, damn, by far. I think I think they were tied with with, they were tied with Norway or some weird place like what? Really? Real, uh, real close. Shortest was and again, this is an average. The shortest was uh, Korea, between North and South. Damn. Yeah. Well, they got a lot of zeros when they measured Korea because nobody would show. That brings the average down. Yeah, that's true. I I bet you the North Koreans are the malnutrition. They have the malnutrition penises. You can't get Does a good Does that rating. affect the length of penis? I'm not even sure. No, they, the, the, the blood flow. You know what I mean? It's got a, yeah. yeah, it's true. It's true. Mm-hmm. They have a lower lower blood, uh, For, blood Yeah, no, Well, just ask your North Korean listeners to uh, send us pictures. Yeah, we got canceled <laughs> from them a long time oh, ago. Oh, did you? God. <laughs> that's the only reason I'm on the podcast. I have a tour of North Korea. I got Pyongyang. <laughs> I think they- I'm doing the Bojangles Pyongyang Auditorium uh, here coming up. Have you in, done uh, any international stuff? No, man. I'd love. I, I'd like to, but the thing is, I have. A, well, this only really applies to Canada, but I have a DUI. So, I, so they won't I, let you go into Canada. They're super hardcore about DUIs. Like I've, I've been, I've been offered gigs like in. Uh, I forget what the name of the town is, but it's right across the bridge from Detroit. And I, a guy hit me up a while ago. Like, Hey man, you want to do this gig? And I'm like, I, yeah, but I don't know if I can get past the border. Cause apparently they're, if you have a DUI, it's a fucking nightmare to, for them to let you into this. To the country. Uh, you can still get in, man. Uh, I, I, I've been across the border with a guy who had a DUI. They just take longer on you. That's all. How long ago was that? Shit. 2004 maybe okay okay well it's like a because it, it is a i think it is a, a pre it is post a 9-11 well it's a after 9-11 i think is when they became because yeah, the alcoholics didn't take down the towers i well, you you so that's my argument i tell the mounties like hey man it wasn't drunks that took down the towers bro no and they're like ah oh, well come in hey or whatever i don't know what the fuck they say they speak the same language right yeah, they speak they, they, well, unless you're going to Quebec. 
That's right. Yeah, but I don't know. I haven't. I'd like to. I've, uh, I know uh, a lot of friends of mine have done like uh, military-based tours and done Korea oh, yeah, like and USO Japan. Shit. Yeah, that sort of shit. Yeah, USO probably shouldn't be that hard to get on, right? I don't do they, think do they have so. To ask you. I haven't literally looked into it. I mean, I think if you have, if you know enough people that have done it before, they can uh, put a good word in for you. But that's another one of those weird ones that we were talking about censorship and shit. It's I've done, you know, I have several friends that have done these military gigs, and they give them all. I did because I've done military bases here in the states, mm. and they give a lot. Uh, you you get like what they call an itinerary before you do a show, and they tell you know what's got all the rules, like don't say this or talk about that, or blah blah blah. It tells you where the hotel is, all that shit. Which kills me because realistically, when it comes to military members, be as dark and fucking cruel as well. Ever. And that's and that's kind of where I was going because uh, I, I you know the times I've done military bases I get that shit, but I've also heard this from com- uh, f- friends of mine that I've done like the Middle East and shit, and they're like, listen, they tell you that they tell you all the rules mm-hmm. because whoever's telling you the rules that's their job. They have mm-hmm. to tell you like they have to say that to you. Yep. But when you go up there, man. Fucking yep. these motherfuckers will go with what like the darker the better mm-hmm. the dirtier the better. It's just that the person that told you that that they have to say that because otherwise they'll get in trouble. So it's almost like uh, I don't know like they have to go through the motions of like hey please don't talk about this, but you know it's just so they can cover their ass. Like no I told them. Who if, is if, it? If, the, <laughs> who was it the other day that I was cracking jokes about? I, I, uh, Alec Baldwin, fucking. Shot yeah. his uh, director he murdered of like 17 people director. or some shit. Fucking, I don't know Alec Baldwin. I don't know the director of photography. I didn't know the director. I don't know them. I don't know any of their family. Guess what? I'm going to make jokes about it and I'm going to laugh my ass off. Does it yeah. suck? Yeah. But guess what? It's funny shit too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's the bottom line with me. Uh, is, it like, is it funny or is it not funny? That's that's all I can. Mm-hmm. Like if you told a joke, the worst I can say about it is I I didn't think it was funny, and I wouldn't even I wouldn't even go as far as saying it's not funny. I would just say I didn't think it was funny. Yeah, other people might still laugh. Like that's going back to stand up again. It's like that's one of the things that gets me the most. Uh, when is when people say that's not funny or you're not funny or mm-hmm. that joke was it's like it's all you, you, maybe brand. it wasn't funny to you like you have every right not to find it funny or find me funny that's perfectly fine my my problem is with these people that feel so entitled that it's because they didn't find it funny yeah, that no nobody funny can funny. find it funny mm-hmm. so and then then you can go fuck yourself uh, listen I don't find most uh, women comedians funny but that doesn't mean they're not funny. There are well, plenty of people who enjoy that shit. <laughs> and and I like I, I tell people it's like if say my if my if my mom died trampled by an elephant and then a comic went up there and told jokes about women being trampled by elephants, I probably wouldn't laugh at it because it would be like, Oh man, it hits too close to home. But I wouldn't be like, dude, you can't be telling jokes about elephants trampling women because me exactly like, you know these jokes aren't tailored to me it's uh, they're jokes man just okay you didn't like that one you move yeah. on to the next one or fucking leave the room or don't listen nobody is putting a gun to your head but you don't you have enjoy to. comedy like even if you find something that's just it's not hitting you i'm still to me i'm gonna be open and try to try it again like i said well, I'll, I'll go see another i'll go see women comedians and hope the next one's funny well, go and and that's good, are. man. Because I mean, you—that is a thing that I. And again, it's another thing that I say on my stand-up is, uh, well, you're you'd be a good you're a good comedy audience, but when people that are easily offended come out to comedy shows, that's like. Uh, 
that's like having a peanut allergy and going taking a tour of the planter's factory. Yeah, exactly. You know, like you, you know your limitations. Why would you do it? <laughs> Why would you do that to yourself? Especially mm-hmm. when you can watch sanitized comedy on TV. That's all over the place. You can yeah, look no up shit. all this shit. You want to see clean comedy? It's fucking. There's no shortage of it. If you want to just watch shit that's not offensive or anything. Yeah. No. To me, fuck. Bring it all. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and if you don't feel that way, then stay the fuck away from a stand up comedy club, man. Yeah, yeah, that's some of my favorite favorite stand up I've seen. I I go to like random little clubs. I haven't in a couple of years because of COVID now, but random little clubs that I've never heard of. That it's just some stand up night, bunch of people I've never heard of and never will again. Right. And they say time, they say man. the most off the wall shit, and I'm <laughs> I think it's fucking hysterical. Oh but, yeah, uh, there's always someone there who's who's upset about it. And what are you doing there? And same thing you said. Well, and the thing is, I again, like I, I can deal with it now with hecklers and assholes and shit. But when I lose it the most, I, I usually don't lose it on hecklers. Like I don't really because I'm a drunk and they're usually drunk, too. So I'm like, <laughs> I, I get it. You know what I mean? So I try to appease them. I'm like, listen, I, you know, I've been drunk, too, man, but I got this. You know, you don't have to fucking yell out every single time. You know, I try to appease them that way. If they keep yelling out and being mean, then I'll go really lose it. But usually I, I take a more uh, peaceful, diplomatic approach. But when I really lose it, the, the couple of times that I've really lost it, it's because somebody will yell out like uh, like I just remember one specific example where this guy was a bar show and this guy's like, you're not funny. And I don't, I fucking, I don't, I don't care that you don't think I'm funny. And like, I, I barely think I'm funny myself, but when you, but what, what bothered me about it was that he was saying, you're not funny. And I had already been on stage for 15 minutes for where everybody was enjoying the show. But yeah. then this, but this guy just felt so entitled that because I said something that he didn't think was funny, he had to yeah. be like, you're not funny. Cause it's not like he was saying, I don't think you're funny. Do the shows police that shit at all, though? Mm, Depends on the place. If you're doing a bar show, no. If you do, because I do a lot of like what we call one nighters, where it's just a bar that does comedy once a week. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing a bar show, usually not. Usually they're not going to police any of that. If you're doing a comedy club show, uh, it depends on a comedy club. Some well, some are really good. If, if you're getting if you're if you're doing crowd work and you're getting a laugh off it, I'm sure they're going to let it go, right? But yeah. if he's just being disruptive and an asshole, I imagine they might stop that. That's also a double edged sword because I've been in shows. This didn't really happen to me, but I, I was at a show once where there was a heckler in the audience, and my buddy was on stage, and he was just destroying her because he's like he's really really good with crowd work. Like mm-hmm. so, she some kept mouthing love. off, and she just. And he kept going back at her and the audience is fucking laughing Loving and cracking it. up. Yeah. But uh, so I talked to them after the show. This is when I was very new into comedy. I probably wouldn't have been doing it for more than a couple of years. And I'm like, man, fucking just destroyed her. And he was mad. Like, he was not happy. And I'm like, what? And like, I, in my head, I was like, why, why are you so upset? You just just killed it. And it's because he was like, I, I wanted to do my sets. Yeah. And I couldn't do my set. Because this woman can kept yelling, and then the club wouldn't get her out of the room. Like he wanted, yeah. he wanted the room to get her the fuck out of the room to like kick yeah. her out. Yeah, but I mean, uh, like there should be like you can do a hand signal or something. I would think that's previous setup. But to me, guys who are good at crowd at crowd work are still fucking hilarious. And well, that's if the you're thing. good at it. I'd rather watch your crowd work than your 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 planned skit. Because well, and it, I think, then I yeah. know it's off the cuff. I'm, well, I'm the I think, opposite. I like this. I like the the sets. I like both, I, but you know what I'm saying? Like you have you ever seen a comedian who's really good at crowd work? Yeah. 
there and if that's their thing roll with frozen it, right oh yeah did i freeze but here's the thing i'll say this man it's like i think that was the mentality that the comedy club had at the time they were like man he's killing it we're not gonna stop this you know let's yeah, let's, yeah no, everyone's loving yeah. it but he wasn't like he would have yeah. and and you're right sometimes you do have comedy clubs they're like okay give me a sign like if you tip your hat well most people don't wear hats but if you tip yeah. do a hand gesture or scratch some shit. your ear or some shit so but i'm assuming they didn't have that at this club he was just mm-hmm. expecting them to kick them out but again they let it go he's like oh look it's, it's he's destroying it and that is true that and he was he was because he's a genuinely really great comics and name is matt davis and he's got videos online too where he just destroys people but but he didn't want to do that look he wanted to do his material now from an audience perspective as a comic i i fall under i want to see the material because unless it's a really really good comic uh a lot of the shit that that crowd comics do is very uh from the vault like they're so good at it that it sounds like they just came up with that shit yeah but they've off the top of their head but no but a lot of times it's like they've heard it all Mm. so it does like they'll usually go with like what do you do for a living and they'll have a funny answer for it doesn't even matter what the fuck you say yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. but it but it kill it but what kills with audiences though because they don't know they don't know that Mm That is, and it killed me too yeah. when I when I didn't realize. Like, there's a lot of shit that I mean. I think it's true for any kind of uh, work or job that you do. Is that once you're in it for a while, you kind of see all the tricks. It's like mm. yeah. you know, it's oh, like yeah. being a magician, and then you're not as surprised when the fucking dub just flew out. It's like, oh yeah, I know what he did right there. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what I run into with people that do very generic crowd work. It's like they're killing the audience. Mm-hmm. But like I, I know what you're doing. Like I've yeah. seen comics do that before. But there are some that, yeah, they're just genuinely I mean, off the even, top of their heads, just fucking. Yeah. Beasts. But at the same token, to your buddy, right? Like he, you were saying he's a funny guy. If I watched a yeah. guy, and I, I'm there in the audience because I'm not a comedian, and he's doing crowd work, and I'm just fucking dying. I'm gonna go look up his shit later. You know what I, I'm saying? Like you made yeah. me laugh my ass off, and you weren't even using your shit. Your shit must be hilarious. <laughs> That's a great point, man. I think, uh, and I think you know, looking back on it, I think he was more just like you know upset about the whole situation. Oh, I understand but, it. But I, I agree with you. I agree with you that people yeah. that were at that show are now more likely Absolutely. to want to uh, follow up. I understand up on him. He, him being bullshit with it. Like it makes sense. Listen, I'd be frustrated too. You just want to do your skit and all that. But to me, look at the bright side of it, right? Yeah. All those people are like, fuck. I want to see that guy again. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. And that's why a lot of those um, on on YouTube and stuff, a lot of the more popular videos are just comics going after the audience. But uh, yeah, I think it's a pretty good place to wrap it up. So uh, thanks for being on the show. Where can yeah. everybody find you? Your show? You know, where are you touring next? Actually, are you going to be up here anytime soon, New England? I know. I've, I've actually never done New England. Dude. Time to make a change. Yeah, Seriously. I would. Lo- I would love to. I've been. You know, I've Boston's been to Boston. a massive comedy town, right? Oh yeah, the thing. But the thing about New England, at least uh, road comedy wise, is that New England is very insular. In that, a lot of New England comics do New England, and they don't get out. Like I'm talking just road comics, yeah. And they just mostly do the New England circuit. Mm-hmm. But then nobody else goes to New England because they do their own thing. Like Florida is kind of is a similar way to that. But yeah, we're all assholes to, up here. I'm just saying I'm, you're in New York. That's right? my that people, away, man. I mean, I'd love to. I mean, I definitely, especially now that COVID's lifted and shit. So I, I, I would love to go out there. But now, as far as dates, I'm just doing local shit. Uh, I'd rather people check me out on uh, social media. It's twitter.com slash 
or at Carlos underscore Valencia. By the way, it's Carlos underscore Valencia. Because some asshole took Carlos <laughs> Valencia in like 2009. And they have one tweet. They have one tweet that says something like, I'm in the lab. And I don't know what the fuck happened at this lab, but he never <laughs> tweeted again. Fucking I'm like, Carlos, fucking, he shouldn't have been in the lab. I can tell you I, that. I, I'm trying. That's what I'm saying, dude. I was like, either somebody check on this guy at the lab or get, let me have at Carlos Valencia. Because this motherfucker's not doing shit with it. Hasn't done anything since 2009. I wonder, if, I wonder if that'll be a thing where it's like you haven't touched something for 15 years. It just gets closed. I, no I, there was a there was a time there where Twitter was trying to shut down like inactive Twitters. But apparently there's like uh famous dead people twitters that people don't want to oh, fucking get yeah. shut down so oh, they yeah, yeah, yeah. so That's they're true. trying to uh fucking i don't know figure out some sort of way but i mean this motherfucker he blew up in the lab dude like 2009 <laughs> it's been it's not like he's got a history of hilarious tweets we That's ran into his the only same tweet shit, man we yeah, have a yeah. swear in our name that everyone it fucking everyone hates it you can't yeah. facebook oh god yeah. hell no you can't yeah. have bastards. That's bad. Exactly. So, but, but so I'm, so I'm uh, that long story short, I'm at Carlos underscore Valencia on Twitter. And then, uh, Carlos V comedy is my website and my, uh, Instagram too. Yeah. We'll, awesome. we'll throw it all up on the end of the video cool. for you. Go check him out guys. Thanks for being on the show. It's hey, thanks for having me guys. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> uh, I like talking to Carlos. He's a cool yeah, he's guy. A good not, not even remotely what I expected. I, no. To, to be honest, though, he's the first real comedian on a professional level that I've ever spoken to. So I didn't really gotcha. have a lot to base that on. I I mean, I enjoyed him. I didn't. I go into all these having no clue where we're going. <laughs> I bring my little bit of knowledge that I have and just roll with it. <laughs> hmm. Sometimes it's painfully obvious and sometimes it's obvious. <laughs> Uh, Most Carlos, times I seem like a complete dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> so Carlos, though, he seems like he really knows what he's doing out in uh, the comedy industry, which seems like a brutal, brutal place. Yeah, well, I think that a lot of them have a checkered past, but I also just don't like what like we talked about in the episode. Um, right now, they're they're a little too censored and they really shouldn't be. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but... I mean, I think the world's too censored myself. But when you consider, like, the concept of your first time going out onto a stage to tell jokes to a crowd of strangers, I, I think back to when we started this podcast, and I had no mm. clue what I was doing, and you, neither did you. <laughs> uh, it, we had some awkward moments. I couldn't imagine oh, doing yeah. that live in front of a crowd. Yeah, especially if it was a big crowd. That would be, that'd be a little rough at times. <laughs> I, I'd throw up on stage. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry's on stage just shit himself. <laughs> exactly what happened. I tell a bad joke, it would bomb, and I'd throw up and shit myself right there. <laughs> Boo this man. <laughs> <laughs> but if you guys liked this episode, let us know in the comments uh, if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're not, well, I don't know. Listen next week. Thank you again for listening to Beautiful Bastards. New episodes every Monday. Remember to like and subscribe. <laughs> Does it sound like I'm ordering a fucking pizza? <laughs> so you're telling me there's a chance.